0: ATB Fantasy Show. Welcome to the ATB Fantasy Show. I'm Rich Maletto. You can find me on Twitter at Beer. Hello. I'm joined by... Hello? You hear Nugget? No well, I ge- don't know what
1: the hell happened. Okay, I'm good now. Can you hear me? Yeah. My, my, okay. <laughs> we are good now. I am not doing anything. I, I didn't even touch anything. It just Stopped. <laughs>
0: We're off the rails already. <laughs> we are. We've already, we've already come off the rails. Well, that's Nugget. You can find him on Twitter at Nuggy underscore Wuggy, G-G-I-E on the uh, Nuggy Wuggy. And, of course, Paul Ryan, which is on Twitter at Paul underscore Ryan 15. And tonight, we are very lucky to have a special guest on. His name is Daniel Kelly. Some of you may or may not be familiar with his story, but he's got quite a story to share with us. But uh, at this point, we'd all like to welcome Daniel. Daniel, hey, how are you doing, doing tonight? I'm doing
2: real well, guys. Thanks for having me on your show. This is very cool. Very cool opportunity. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. It's it's our pleasure, really. So, uh, before we get going too far, Paul, uh, why don't you? Uh, well, did you, Paul, did you tell Daniel how we start the show, or did you leave him blind on that? Well, you
3: know, I, I thought I did. I, you know, I, here I am. I'm writing up the show sheet and everything, <laughs> trying to be prepared for you guys tonight. And, of course, I, I forget to uh, – I guess I'm supposed to allow permission for everybody to see the, the sheet there. So, forgive me, Mr. Kelly. Here you are in the dark, and you're finding of nice us to join our show. And you, you're uh, – uh, I, I can't even give you – throw you a bone there no,
2: it's, it's quite all right. I always like the, the call audibles of my scrimmage, so we're, we're good there.
0: <laughs> all right, well, 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 here's an audible for you. We always start to show off with a little bit of what you're drinking. Most people are usually sipping on something, and uh, so we'll start the night off. I don't know if you've got coffee or water, but Daniel, what you drinking um, I'm tonight? looking
2: at a bottle of water right now. Uh, this says purified drinking water, and I just pulled it out of the fridge a few minutes ago, and... I'd have it handy. I took a couple of sips of it early on, and it's sitting right in front of me right now.
0: See, once again, he's he's being smart. And, and since Paul, you didn't warn him. Well, I really don't think a boozer. Nah, I that.
2: know,
0: I'm right? <laughs> 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 D- D- Mr. Kelly, uh, D-
3: <clears throat> I do apologize. You know, I, I thought I uh, was uh, sharing some uh, important information here, but here on uh, the ATB Fantasy Show, if you're if you're not drinking alcohol. You do get booed, so I apologize. Please don't hate us, but you're no you're nothing special, sir. So we're gonna have to boo you tonight. Yeah. That's
2: that's that's okay, hate. Yeah. Hey. Hey, guys, I actually uh, sat in the uh, end zone for Super Bowl 26 when the uh, Redskins played the Buffalo Bills. My grandma got me a, t- a ticket from a high school graduation present in the uh, Metrodome in Minnesota. Minnesota, in Minnesota right? yeah, and I actually, yeah. she got me in the end zone, but in the Buffalo end zone. So I'm used to getting booed because when the Redskins were introduced, <laughs> I had my war paint on and my Mark Rippin jersey. And I think there was pretty bare part about ten to 15,000 Bills fans on front on top of me, uh, you know, booing so loud it was like putting my head up. Up to the engine of a 747, so I, I can take some booze for not having alcohol. Now, if you would have caught me the other night when I went out, uh, you guys would be cheering. <laughs> <laughs> well, well,
0: okay, well, first up before before we boo, though, what were you drinking the other night? Because that's as interesting
2: as anything anyway. Well, just last night, we have a place down in Key West, Florida, calling the Flying Monkey uh, is the name of the bar, and you can actually get, like, this frozen, it's like a, like a lemonade, um, uh, with a, with a shot of one fifty one, and uh, let me tell you something. Ooh. There's a reason why it's called flying monkey. Because after one of those what big mugs hell? of that, <laughs> after one of those, uh, you, you feel like a flying monkey. So so, <laughs> that, that's, uh, so that that's what I was having uh, last night, along with uh, with a couple beers. Oh, see, I'll that water. That's how... <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Tonight I switched up the water because I wanted to be uh, you know I wanted to be in the game you know, so oh, I absolutely. You. So I, I, it, it's just one of those things.
0: All right. Well, we, we do have to do the obligatory boo. So boo. Boo.
2: Hey, thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm used to it. I, I, I've walked into a lot of opponent stadiums um, and, and heard from about 50, 60,000 of those. So that that's cool.
0: Hey, what, what is it? Uh, Dale Earnhardt used to say, if they're making noise, you're doing that's right. right.
2: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Very true.
0: So, so, Paul, what are you drinking tonight? Nugget, should we take a guess?
2: Truly,
3: truly, truly. Hey, uh, you know what? Not tonight, boys. I uh, Over the weekend, the wife and I had a little date night, and we went to this place that was BYOB, and so I went down to this liquor store, and I was hoping to find something, something new, something I've never had before, and I was able to do that. However, it's pretty similar to, to what you guys are accustomed to. What I'm drinking tonight is Ranch Water Blue Agave Hard Seltzer, and it's grapefruit.
0: Well, Paul. Uh, all right. So, how does it rate with the other seltzers? I, we know that Truly's your favorite. I'm still bummed you haven't found any press. Just saying, but I, I got to know how's this no, one. No,
3: Rich, I have found the press. I'm still waiting for you to send me those coupons, my friend. <laughs> oh,
0: oh shit! I forgot to ask the guy for that. Yeah. I'm a no, it's all good,
3: man. It's actually it's pretty good. It's um, it's not as flavorful, but it, it's um, it's it's a little lighter than the other two. It's a little lighter than White Claw and it's lighter than Truly. It, it's not bad at all.
0: Interesting, interesting. All right, now I get so so have you infused anything the last couple of days or, or what are you throwing
1: at us? No, tonight? I uh, I say my college days. I haven't finished what I infused the first time. Still working on it, but I am drinking some whiskey today. So I you know me, like Paula can say my bougie ass drinking. Um, I signed up for a like it's called Flaviar. And they send whiskey to your house. You get a, like, it's like a 375. Oh, I know what you're talking Yeah. Yep, so you get a 375 milliliter um, uh, a mini, mini bottle. bottle. Then you get three tasters of three different whiskeys. So it comes with four whiskeys for you to try. And I am, it's my first time, It just came in the other day, and I'm drinking Westward American Single Malt Whiskey. And man. This is a very interesting whiskey at the ends. And so it starts with a kind of a caramel, you know, how the whiskey has a little bit of caramel taste into it and it ends yeah. with a coffee taste. Ooh. Yes.
0: Very if interesting. If you don't mind me asking how much, how much is that membership? So there's two options,
1: 190 for, uh, two quarterly payments or $300 for four quarterly, not sorry, four quarterly deliveries, not payments. So it's it's not cheap, okay. but it's it's from what I researched and looked into, it's not cheap whiskey either. It's really nice whiskey. So
0: yeah. Because I was I I keep hearing about that, and I've been kind of wanting to try it because you know I like my bourbons.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: and I thought that would be. I
1: got a I can <coughs> send you a fifty dollar uh coupon if you use my code. Oh, that would be handy. Yeah. Um, I'll send that over to you then. But, yeah, so overall, it's really good. I still got to it. And I'm sipping it on the rocks.
0: Nice. What are you drinking
1: today, uh, Mr. Rich?
0: So I pulled out, it's from a local brewery in here. It's an imperial stout called Double Stuff. And the label on it even had, you know, they weren't Oreos. But, you know, Oreo-like cookies. I don't, I don't know the generic. I can't remember what the generic ones are called. But, anyway, it's called Double Stuff. It's for a 10% beer, it's really smooth. Um and you you almost get a Oreo cookie taste to it when you drink it. Huh, that's awesome. The Brewing Project. They do some interesting I've had some very interesting beers by them. So so yeah. Well anyway, that's our what you're drinking segment. And I think we should go ahead and get started in and check in with Daniel and let him tell us a little bit about his background. So Daniel, if you don't mind, um I don't want to say give us a cliff notes version because I really don't want to. I mean, you've, you've done a lot, been through a lot, been around a lot. Um, I'd like to hear some more about it. We talked a little bit about before we came on here, but uh, if you can give us a little more background, that'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Before we get started, though, guys, can I throw the red challenge flag? And uh, just, I just grabbed a Bud Light uh, lime flavored out of the uh, fridge, <laughs> and I'm cracking open right now. I don't know yeah. But can we, can, oh. we, can we get some cheers instead of booze? Woo! Absolutely. <laughs> to the dark side, baby. Hey, absolutely, absolutely. So that's that's better. That's better. So, no, for sure, guys. Um, uh, you know, so, yeah, the beer tastes so lot. Yeah, that tastes pretty good. I like lime. I'm down in Key West, Florida, so you gotta <laughs> like lime. <laughs> but, um, you know, my, my story. Oh, know, for sure. It's it, 5 o'clock somewhere, right? Absolutely. It's 5 o'clock every you hour don't... down in Key West. <laughs> 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 Around the clock. <laughs> But, uh, you know, my story, guys, uh, you know, started out just, you know, kind of growing up in a real small town in Minnesota, Mount, Minnesota. And, um, you know, I just, you know, I was about eight years old and uh, my parents, I, I really didn't know anything about football at the time. I was just a little kid and my parents had a football game on in the uh, corner of the living room on an old uh, TV set and, and the hometown Minnesota Vikings, my parents were fanatical Vikings fans and, uh, you know, they had this game on against the Washington Redskins and I don't know. It was just like a like a magnitude of refrigerator. I was really really drawn to the uh, the, the screen and and specifically to the Washington Redskins, and uh, I mean the, the team, the colors, the, the, the Joe Gibbs, uh, the Hogs, John Riggins. Um, it, it was just something that was just absolutely magnetizing for me as a young boy, and uh, I took right to the team. And um, you know, a couple of weeks later, they they end up winning the Super Bowl. Um, it was Super Bowl 17, and I was I remember being a little kid, you know, wearing these little pajamas. My my grandma had got me a t-shirt, a red t-shirt with a screen print 44 in yellow on the front and back uh, that said Riggins. and you know, on, on the back of it, I had that over my pajamas, and and uh, you know it. It was just, it was, I was just, you know, I was, I was crazy for the Redskins. I mean, I was so crazy for the Redskins as, as a young boy that, you know, the Redskins went back to the Super Bowl my, you know, the following season and lost to the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I think it was like 38 to nine. And um, I, I threw up and missed three days of school and so yeah yeah oh, wow. so i was i was devastated even even at nine years old so i, I took every every uh every loss extremely hard um you know I, I was i was you know really excited when they won and uh the passion just took off uh it, it was just something where i i you know guys i i came to a place i just ate breathed and slept uh, you know washington redskins football and uh, you know i was just obsessed i i was just i couldn't get enough of it if i wasn't talking about the redskins i was you know reading about the redskins if i wasn't reading about the Redskins. I was dreaming about the Redskins. I wasn't dreaming about the Redskins. I was reading about. I mean, it was just around the clock. Um, you know, I, I even kept a countdown chart on my bedroom wall, uh, which was there hardly any any room uh, on the closet for it. But you know, to how many days it was the next Redskins game. Uh, so I, you know, I'd run around school. You know, in Minnesota, there saying, "Hey, it's only 221 days to the next Redskins game." And you know, a lot of the kids, so I was just nuts. And of course, I never had a girlfriend. I was so crazy. So for the, you know, for the Redskins. And and but uh, you know, I wanted to play. I uh, didn't get big enough to play, but uh, I played one year of high school football. And this is important for somebody here because, you know, a lot of times, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we go through life and we see these guys and, you know, and we think, well, they, they must've been really, you know, you know, they must've had a big football background or something. Well, Hey, I, I was so bad at playing high school football. I was the only kid on my team, not to earn a, a letter jacket, not not to get a letter because I didn't have enough playing time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. that's wrong. Yeah, it was As a matter of fact um, I that my claim that, Yeah, my claim to fame was dropping interception. We were down about 38 to nothing. Coach put me in the game. I didn't even know what the play was called. I was hoping they were just going to run off the clock. The guy heaved the ball as far as he could, and I put my hands up, and it went right through my hands, hit me in the helmet, and it bounced to the ground. (laughs) So... Yeah, yeah, so, so it's like, you know, one of those moments. So, but you know, my my I the passion for the game was there. The passion specifically for the Redskins was, you know, burning, you know, very brightly inside me. And uh, you know, as 17 years old, I it was kind of a, the pivotal moment of my life. My my parents had got me a book uh called Tony Rizzano's Secrets of an NFL Scout. Uh, it was written by the former 49ers uh, scouting director, Gray Tony who who is of course uh, Bill Walsh's personnel man through the heyday with the Niners in the 80s. Uh, he was a guy that convinced Bill Walsh to draft some guy named Joe Montana instead instead of uh, Steve Dill's, uh, who, who Walsh wanted to draft. And so, so um, you know, so I read that book and, and I couldn't put it down. And I said, guys, you know what? This is what I want to be. I want to be an NFL scout. And and so I, you know, and nobody, of course, believed me. But I, I just kind of headed right into it and start recording games on TV. My senior year uh, in high school, I actually wrote a 75-page uh, almost like a draft report. I sent out to uh, the Redskins general manager at the time, Charlie Casserly, um, you know, asking for an internship. And uh, he wrote back and said, Hey, you're still too young. And, and all this is my book. Whatever it takes, you know. Let I got from Redskins back in the day and stuff and, uh, you know, he said, check back after your first year of college. Of course, um, you know, I went to a small community college. I, I barely passed through high school, and I failed all of a small community college because I was so focused on, you know, the social life and, and football, and I, and I really didn't, you know, I, I never really kind of gravitated towards my school studies, and so I, I found myself, you know, kind of uh, at a serious crossroads. I was 20, 21 years old. Uh, I had just failed out of college, and, uh, you know, I found myself working. I got a job uh, with a friend um, at Allstate in Insurance uh, selling insurance, and, and that was really my first big NFL break because I was sitting there, guys, one night, and uh, telemarketing for insurance leads. And all of a sudden, they said, you know, the first uh, there was a uh, like a, a sports radio show. Do you guys have those where you're at, where like like the fan or something? Sure.
0: Yep. Well, in cle- in, I would say the fan in Minneapolis. Because oh, okay, I, I so you know, K yeah,
2: um, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. so yeah, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Richfield, uh, they had the, you know, they always talked about, uh, in Minnesota and, um, you know, they said the first 32 callers, I was working all state on Eden Prairie, uh, Minnesota, They said the first 32 callers call in. Now you can represent a team on the air, uh, you know, kind of like a mock draft, come out the winter park where the Vikings were headquartered at the time. And, um, you know, you, you can, you know, represent a team on, on the radio. And and so, of course, I had nine open phone lines So I started I like a crazy man. And uh, you oh, absolutely. And they said, right. hey, hey, congratulations. You're uh, call number two. You're going to represent the expansion Jacksonville Jaguars. This was 1995. And so, uh, you know, I said, bring a friend. You know, we'll provide lunch. You know, come on out to Winter Park with the Vikings. And and so I was excited. So I called in, you know, quote, unquote, sick to work that day. Uh, <laughs> took my friend out there to the Vikings headquarters and grabbed all my old scouting reports just in case you know, like, like maybe there would be somebody there I could, I could talk to. And, and so, you know, I walked in there at the time, I was deathly afraid of public speaking. Uh, you know, they had the live microphone open and they came back from a commercial break and they said, Hey, welcome back. You know, we're going to be talking next to the uh, second, the second pick of the draft. And just like the NFL commissioner says a guys, you know, the, uh, the, the broadcaster and K fan said, well, you know, with the uh, second pick in the 1995 draft the Jacksonville Jaguars select. And I stepped into the microphone in front of my face and I said, uh, Tony Bocelli, offensive tackle, uh, you know, and, 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 uh USC. And, and I looked out the corner of my eyes and there was Tony Dungy uh, who was of course the defensive coordinator under Danny Green at the time uh, with the Vikings. And he was just sitting there all by himself. You know, so I I walked up to him. You know, we, we talked off air before our show tonight, you know, about taking shots. And and that's been something that's really served me well in my life. You know, just if, if somebody's put into your path, you know, go up to him. So I I did. And I said, you know, I I knew he was. So I said, you know, hi, hi, you know, Coach Dungey. My name is, you know, Daniel Kelly. And, you know, my dream is to be an NFL scout and, and I brought some of my work with me. Would you be pleased be willing to take a look at some of some of my reports? And he said, sure. What do you got? Uh, I was like, hey, cool. You know, so I hand my reports and he started looking through them and he said, you know, this stuff is pretty good. He said, how would you feel about coming to my office next week? We could sit down and talk and and uh, I could pull out all my old scouting reports and stuff with the Kansas State Chiefs and Blasto, uh, which is a scouting combine. Uh, it stands for uh, Bears, Lions, Eagles, Steelers, Towns organization, Blasto scouting combine. He said, you know, I can pull out my old reports from there. We can kind of compare notes. How would you feel about that? I'm like, yeah, great. Absolutely. So I actually, I actually went into Coach Dungy's office. Now, get this. I, I, I big a redskins fanatic right my mom told me not to do this but i did anyways and and that's part of my deal in life but i actually wore my redskins coaching jacket into the vikings into the building (laughs) and uh and so i i went to the front desk and they said and you're here to see i said uh coach tony dungy and and i was standing there my coach joe gibbs my my coach gibbs uh, coaching jacket uh my redskins jacket and um you know coach dungy came out and greeted me brought me back in the office and that turned out to be a six-month unpaid internship uh with with coach dungy and to learn a lot about life a lot about football uh just uh, you know he gave me some assignments i remember doing the university of tennessee some players uh, for him uh, there were seniors that year he introduced me to one of his best friends who was mark tressman who was the uh, uh, at the time was the offensive coordinator of the 49ers hmm. yeah yeah and um, yeah. and so so it was really cool and, and um you know, so, so, of course, then Coach Dungy left for Tampa Bay. I I went back into the real world uh, selling Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door, bouncing from job to job, and, uh, you know, never really stuck anywhere. You know, got got fired a couple times from a couple trivial jobs. And, uh, you know, I, I found myself at a crossroads. I mean, I was going – I went through a real rough time personally. My, my first fiance broke up with me. It was heartbreaking. Uh, I found myself in a different bar every night, uh, you know, trying to find the answer to life at the bottom of a bottle and never did find it And yeah, it's like I sleep on a buddy's couches and, 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 and it, it just, you know, it, it's it was a real rough time. It, it was a really rough time in my life. I got evicted from my apartment, got my, my vehicle repossessed. Uh, you know, it was kind of starting over from square one yeah. and uh, met another woman ended up getting married and found myself at 24 working at Bank America Mortgage as a loan officer. And I was like, you know, I sit in a real estate meeting one day and they're talking about real estate law and, and, and there's nothing wrong with real estate, but it just wasn't my cup of tea, so to speak, or my, my bottle of beer, I guess you could say and um you know and they're talking about it. and I, i'm daydreaming i'm looking out the window guys in, in this meeting you picture this in this this high-rise building in in, in uh, minnesota and i'm like what what am i doing here i don't know if you guys have ever had that moment or heard any of your friends have that moment but it's just one of those moments like what am i doing here you know like my my dream I, my dream is to be an nfl scout you know my, my you know, it's it's better it's better because I, I go back to my philosophy in life from from Joe Gibbs in Super Bowl seventeen. The the whole game came down to fourth and one. Uh when when Gibbs decided to go for it, and, and John Riggins had that famous run on, on fourth and one. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches punt when it's fourth down. And 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 you know, my philosophy is hey, that that's kind of like my philosophy in life was forged from that moment as a young boy at eight years old, watching Coach Gibbs go for it and winning the Super Bowl. So I was like, you know, it's better to go for it sitting there in this meeting at Bank of America twenty-four. I was like, it's better to go for it and not get it then wonder always what could have been you know so i these all these ideas start coming to my mind hey you got a little satellite dish you can you know record the games and you know try to get with the redskins one last time and so i stopped at target on the way home and bought a bunch of pens and paper and and uh, called direct tv and subscribed to their college football package and i started and, it, and over the next seven months, um, you know, I worked at the bank full-time all day, Moonlight's a scout at night and, uh, you know, started accumulating all these reports, which I turned into a self-published 1998 NFL draft report, uh, which was 350 pages. I paid every dime I had, it was $2,300, took 85,000 sheets of paper and three trees, basically put it together. And that's why I sent out my resume. Uh, I spent another $1,300 overnight on a credit report. I mean, a, a credit account and, and I sent those out, uh, uh, with no guarantees. Uh Northeast, Southwest, uh, you know, every box was personalized, every head coach, GM, and director of player personnel in the NFL. And uh sat back and just wait to see what would happen. Again, no guarantees. And uh, you know, I put all my hopes, my dreams, I put everything into those boxes and uh set them out all over the place just waiting to see who would call. Wow. That's awesome. Interesting. So who was who uh, was the first, first call oh. was the New Orleans Saints? you know, all, all my buddies at the bank, you know, they all knew what I was doing. You know, they're like, they're like, you know, has anybody called yet? Anything happened? I'm like, no, nah, not yet, not yet. And you know, all of a sudden my, I had an alphanumeric pager at the time and all of a sudden it went off and, and my buddy, Steve was sitting next to me, you know, taking calls at the bank. And he, and I said, he said, your, your, your pager's buzzing. And I looked down at it says, uh, please call the New Orleans saints and Bruce Loverman, <laughs> uh, college scouting director. Um, uh, and the phone number was on there. So, you know, I, I ran in there and of course, All my buddies at the bank, we we, were like cubicles, right? Everybody, as soon as they heard the word saints everybody like collectively hung up their phone and hung up at the customer and, and we would say we went straight into the conference yeah. room and they all followed me and so I, I i you know called from the conference room and bruce lorman the college scouting director of the new orleans saints answered the phone i said hey i got your your message and he says yeah yeah he goes uh, listen uh we got your book um you know he said we really liked it coach coach mike Ditka really liked your book actually he said and uh, he said you know we got a position open right now for for a uh, you know a college scouting position in the in the midwest and uh you know so we wanted to let you know we're very interested in you and uh you know it, just just know a lot of teams are probably going to be i up calling you uh or reaching out to you but just remember we were the first and we'll be back in contact and i was like huh yeah, I was like this is it I'm going to the Saints you know the, the, this is a done deal and, and and all my friends were so excited at the bank and you know and and then like two weeks later you know I got a second call from the Saints and of course during this time I was receiving letters back from the who's who in the NFL a bunch of GMs head coaches every day at lunch I had my, my PO box would be stuffed full of you know, you know three four or five you know NFL letters every day you know said the, th- the standard thanks but no thanks uh, I got letters from like Dwight Clark Bill Poley and Ron Wolf, Bobby Beathard all these different people around the league and and and, uh, you know, and, and and I was like, I'm going to Saints. It doesn't really matter, you know, and, and, and um, you know, the Saints called back and they said, you know, um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, all my friends through the bank were thinking, Hey, this, this is it. And, um, you know, I called Bruce Larman right. and talked to him. The, again, the college scouting director at the time with the New Orleans Saints. And he said, listen, um, you know, I could just kind of tell by his tone of voice, it wasn't going to go well. And he's like, he's like, listen, he goes, one of our senior scouts uh, looked at your book and, and, you know, disagreed with some of your reports and, and I'm sorry to tell you, but based on that, we're not going to be able to move forward with any kind of offer any kind of, you know, we're not gonna be able to do anything. And, and, and I was devastated. Right. You know, I just, it was one of those calls guys where, you know, I just kind of held the phone up to my ear and just, you know, it's just like, you know, then, the, you know, he he hung up and I tried to sound upbeat, but you know, my friends were like, what happened? I'm like, I guess, you know, they're not, they're not going to do anything with me. And he's like, what, you know, and, and then, you know, my buddy at the bank at the time, one of my closest friends, um, you know, end up saying, hey, you know, keep your chin up. He goes, another, another team's going to call you. Another coach is going to call you with as much passion, if not more passion than my Ditka. I was like, oh, sure, right. You know, I was like, it is like he is. And, and two days later, I was driving to work, and uh, my pager went off again. And it said, please call Scott Pioli at the New York Jets. And, um, and, of course, I parked the car and raced up to the phone.
0: And now, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't pull – Peoli get his start under uh he Belichick in he Cleveland? he
2: did yes in the NFL yep
0: right 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 because that staff I mean I don't know if you, I'm sure you know it but if you know they did it was either one of the thirty by thirties or NFL lives or whatever when uh, Belichick was in Cleveland there and that staff the story of that staff is just it's a very similar story to yours or it reminds me of yours I mean these guys <laughs> were sleeping on the couches there. You know, no TV. One of them wanted TV so they could watch some of the other games. I mean, just this – and it's a who's who of – I mean, you look at the people that were there oh, and you know them. I mean, you know, GM GM for the Jets. Um, well, man, Genie was on that staff. Nick Saban was on that staff. Um, and they all kind of were cutting their teeth back then. So, I, I guess I just find it interesting that pioli's one of the ones that reached out to you, I think. It was really cool.
2: cool. And the funny thing is I didn't know how they pronounced pronounce his name. You know, like, like I got the text that said P-I-O-L-I. And, uh, you know, I'm from Minnesota. I'm like, I'm like, well, I wonder how you pronounce that. And so I actually called the Jets and I said, yeah, who's your um, uh, scouting director out there? And They said, uh, Scott Peely. I said, okay, thanks, bye. And I called back 10 minutes later. I'm like, uh, Scott Peely's office, please. <laughs> you know, so, so it was, it was uh, you know, so it was really cool. And, and you're right, you know, that, that Cleveland Brown staff uh, that he came from, um, you know, a lot, a lot of stars uh, on that staff that have gone on the NFL – uh, George Clooney was out there. Tanner my Tanner Bomb, Lionel Vitel, who's yeah. my uh, scouting mentor for the last twenty plus years, um, you know, was on that staff too, and and so yeah, it was a star-studded staff for sure. Uh, but uh, you know, to get a call from Scott was just incredible. And it was different than the saints call it was, it was different because he was, it was like, listen, you know, uh, we, 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 you know, Bill got your book. He likes it. You know, he said, um, you know, we're, we got a position open in, in, in the pro scouting department. Now I got to tell you, it's not a high paying position, but, but it's available. And would you be interested? I'm like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Scott. And you know, yeah, for sure. You and and so he, he said, Hey, we're going to fax you over a personality profile test over at the bank and um, you know, we'll be back in contact. And so I did the, you know, the test and sent it back to him and then, you know, I was, you know, a couple of weeks later, um, or about a week later, actually, I was at the Mall of America. And I, and I started to think about it, guys. I was like, I don't even have a suit. You know, like this is getting really, really, really fast. And it was about 530 on a Sunday. And, uh, you know, the stores were almost closed at six. And uh, my pager went off again. And it was uh, Pioli. And, uh, you know, so I raced up to the uh, payphone at the time. And, uh, you know, I called him back. And he said, uh, hey, listen. He says, uh, uh, you know, Bill, Bill wants to move forward with you. And uh, being Bill Parcells. And uh he said, uh, you know, when's right. the earliest you can be out here? And I said, Well, you know, I probably can get off uh, a week from tomorrow. And he goes, uh, no, no, he goes, Bill doesn't want to wait that long. And I said, Why? Well, I, I could, you know, I don't have more vacation time, but I'll just take tomorrow off. He goes, Perfect. He goes, I'll have an e-ticket waiting for you at the airport. Can't wait to meet you tomorrow night. We'll go out for Italian food, see you then. Bye. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh. Uh-huh. Wow, i was like uh, that 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 was an eye opener and and so I I you know there was a men's clothing store across the across the uh, the, the way and so I I basically just you know I did about a 4240 into the men's clothing store and I said I said hey hey guys uh, listen uh, I hope you like football that's the first thing I said to the guys working behind the counter and I said we love football why and I said oh I said th- thank thank you and I looked up and I said and they said why what's up I said I'm going out for my first real NFL job interview and they said you're kidding me and I told them the story and they stayed a couple hours late and got me hooked up with a suit and everything. Next day, I flew out to New York for what was a marathon two-day interview process with uh, one, one of the best, of arguably the best, the best staff in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy because I landed in New York. You know, of course, I, you know, I had the whole way out there. A million thoughts are going to my mind. What are they going to ask me? What are they going to ask me? You know, and everything. And, you know, I, you know, they drive, they pick me up at the LaGuardia and they drive me to the, you know, team headquarters on Hofstra that we'd be being called at the time. And, you know, they, you know, says no visitors allowed up at the gate and, you know, the gate opens. And, of course, you can see all the, you know, the big rides and, you know, all the sports cars and Ferraris and, you know, souped up SUVs with the spinning rims. And sound systems and you know, and then you see the big yellow goalpost, post, everything. And then the first thing I saw, which is on the front cover of my book, Whatever It Takes, uh, was the uh, trophy when I walked in the door from Super Bowl three. And that's when it got really real. And then I walked me up the stairs and yeah, they took me down yeah. the hallway. And, of course, I recognized him <laughs> at every door. I mean, it was it was unreal. And, and I mean, we had seven coaches, uh, just like the Cleveland story you're talking about. You know, we also had seven coaches on the staff I worked at with the Jets go on, and become head coaches at the college or NFL level. So, you know, they, so I recognized all the names. And they, they walked me down the hallway. And the first part of my interview was with uh, scouting legend Dick Haley, who ended up building the uh, 1970s uh, dynasty with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, Absolutely Todd's dad. Name. And, 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 uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, they walked me into uh Dick Haley's office and he'd been, you know, he's one of the most revered scouting you know people in the NFL. And, and I, you know, he, he was, you know, in the sixties at the time, probably. And, you know, I walked in the front, you know, the door of his office and there was a little round table sitting in the corner, big office in the corner. And, and, uh, he says, you know, Hey, Hey, Dan, nice, nice to meet you. And he, he put out his hand and he got the big, you know, one of those four Steelers rocks on his hands. And, um, you know, he said, have a seat. And, uh, you know, there I am. And he's all, you know, he's a very distinguished gentleman. He's all, all dressed up with a suit on, you know, kind of a checkered gray, uh, uh, black and white suit coat and, you know, readers and, 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 and salt and pepper hair. And, and, and he, he sat down and, and it was a little round table. And of course, right in front of me, this is the funniest part about the story is right in front of me at this round table sits my 1998 draft book, you know, my, my resume that got me the, the call to come out to New York. Right. So this book, this 350 page book I wrote that got self-published is sitting, you know, it's my resume it's sitting right in front of me and it's open to the Jets top draft pick that year is saying my book is laying my own book is laying right open in front of me and it's open to the page where where I, I evaluated a, a defensive end who was their top draft pick that year the Jets didn't have a number one because they sent it to New England for Parcells so they had a high two and uh, you know they, they used it for a defensive end named Dorian Booz which I don't know, you guys remember that name at all
1: Mm-mm.
0: I don't there's a reason <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's a reason I would
0: say I'm I'm guess I'm guessing he did guessing not do did well. Not the do funny well. thing
2: about it, that was the number one, you know, the top pick, not the number one pick, but the, the the top pick for the Jets that year. And I I had the guy ranked as an undraftable reject in my book, and 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 so I'm sitting down with the guy that drafted mean Joe Green, Terry Bradshaw, you know, Lynn Swan, you know, all these all these legends on on you know you know Jack Lambert, all these guys on the Steelers. And and absolutely. And 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 you know, I'm sitting there, you know, with with this legend, and you know, this is his top draft pick, you know, with Parcells and Billichick and those guys. And I'm sitting there as just the upstart guy coming in for the interview, saying that, hey, you guys missed the mark. You guys, you know, that's an undraftable reject, you know. So so you know, it was interesting. You know, Dick Haley pulled me in the scouting room in the war room, you know, started talking drafts. You know, which teams do you think did well? Which teams didn't? And I was just hoping he was going to stay away from the Dorian Booze, you know, report, but of course he didn't. Yeah, he, he no, went, no, he's going to ask. Yeah, yeah. He's well, got he You know, He's like, hey, what'd you think of some our picks? So I'm like, yeah, you know, I talked a little bit about Scott Frost, of course, was coming out that year as a quarterback. They converted to safety. And, and uh, Blake Spence is this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, it's this, this tight end him. Blake Spence out of Oregon, who I kind of liked. And, you know, he's like, well, what? And he kind of sat back in the chair, you know, kind of lowered his reading glasses and kind of looked at me and crossed his legs. He said, what'd you think of Dorian? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, Sir, with all due respect, I said, I I thought that he, he was soft. I, I said, he got tied up a lot at the point of attack. I said, he was a guy that uh, took a lot of plays off. I didn't see a lot of fight. I said, I didn't see a lot of heart. I said, I, I thought he lacked heart. And I said, I, I think he uh, gave up way too easily. And uh, I, I didn't, I didn't. And, and I, I talked about the games I saw him in. And I said, with all due respect, I said, I, I, I didn't like him. I don't think he's going to make it. And uh, he just sat there and kind of nodded his head. And, and thankfully he was comfortable with his own skin. He said, well, you know, and he started talking about how he had the same size hands as like mean Joe green and stuff. And I said. You know, I'm like I was like, yeah, that's cool. And you know, and and, and um, you know that that part of the interview was over. Then then they walked me into uh, Pioli's office, and and uh, you know, overlooking the practice field. Uh, like, the, have you guys seen the movie Draft Day? Yes. Yeah, it's like that big yes. corner office over, you know, overlooking the field and stuff. And, um, yep. you know, they, they took me out, uh, him and Jojo Wooden, who's now the director of out in uh, with the Chargers. Um, you know, he was a young guy in the staff at that time. Scott and Jojo Wooden actually took me out to dinner at a Italian restaurant. Uh, you know, I, I did most of the talking. They did most of the eating because they had a bunch of questions for me, which is fine. And then they took me back, and, and it was a, you know, there was a quick rise and shine the next morning. And then, uh, you know, my wake up call came at about 5.30 And by 6.30 30, Mike Tannenbaum, our, our contract negotiator, was waiting downstairs for me for breakfast, uh, you know, to talk contracts and what I. I knew about the collective bargaining agreement and all that, and then they took me back to the office and they walked me right into Eric Mangini's office and I sat down with him, who was our defensive backs coach, and talked about football for a few minutes with him, and then he had, you know, crisscrossing all the plays diagrammed up in the grease boards in his office, and, and in the back of my 1998 draft book, uh, my resume, uh, the 350-page resume again, uh, you know, I had read on the back of the book, uh, you know, all I asked for is an opportunity, and, and Eric Mangini looked at the back of my book and he said, so tell me something, Daniel. He said, what would an opportunity mean to the NFL? I said, I said Coach, Man genie would mean everything, he said. Okay, okay. Well, listen, he goes, I want you to what we want you to do next is that we want you to evaluate one of our defensive players. This guy named Rick Lyle, um, you know, defensive end and so they end up getting like six games they put me down the defensive line room shut off the lights and turned on the projector and just kind of sat me there for like like a two hour time limit uh, to look at Rick and so I started taking notes and and you know the two hours went by you know felt like about 20 minutes and uh, you know they took me back into a room with computers and they sat me down and I said okay we want you to write up this report on Rick Lyle after you're done with this you're going to go back and meet with Scott Pioli and you know that you know to conclude your interview and I said okay fantastic and so I sat down and just I mean it was like it was Corey graphed it a second. I mean, right when I turned on, you know, got the computer right on Word, right? I'm, I'm ready to start typing. I think I typed about the first sentence and the door opens and in walks Bill Parcells. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, and, and and he introduces himself he says he says hey he says uh i'm bill parcells i like oh yeah i know who you are right i mean i mean who doesn't know bill parcells right <laughs> it's it, it, it's uh you know i said you're, you're the guy that dumped gatorade on he kind of laughed at the you know chuckle that kind of you know half smirk came on his face and he said hey i just want to introduce myself to you uh i knew you were coming out he said that you know maybe he kind of grinned a little bit he said you know maybe we'll see you around here sometime huh and i said yeah that would be awesome coach i said i would love to work for you you know work on the staff and beat the jets and he said okay you know, and so I got, you know, somehow, some way I collected my thoughts just enough to finish the report. And then, you know, I I had to make three copies of my report on Rick Lyle and take him in the Pioli's office. And, uh, you know, and as soon as I got in in the Pioli's office, uh, there's two chairs facing his desk. Uh, He picks up his phone and goes, "Okay, Scott picks up the Pioli, picks up his phone and says, "Okay, he's in here. Will you please join us? Click. And I'm like, Oh, geez. I said, who, who, you know, I'm thinking to myself, who's coming in here? <laughs> you know, who, who's next, right? I mean, I thought it was gonna be Rick Lyle. I thought they called him out in the locker room, brought the guy and I wrote the report of, right. And, uh, in walks Bill Belichick and, uh, you know he sits down next to me and you know introduce himself of course i'm like yeah I, I know who you are too and you know and 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 uh scott hands him one copy of my report about rick lyle to him keeps one for himself gives one to me and it just seemed like all time itself itself stopped is what it felt like i mean you know sitting there watching you know Bilichek read my report was was pretty intense to say the least and um you know, and and so he you know kind of looks back at me and you know tells me a little bit what they asked Rick Lyle to do. They play, you know, he said, you know, something something along the lines. You know, we play a play a base 4 defense. Um, you know, Rick's a dependable player for us, a dependable veteran. You know, he holds up the point of attack nicely, so our linebackers can scrape in and make plays. Um, you know, he's he's, he's a he's a, just a dependable veteran. He's not going to make a lot of sacks or anything like that, but somebody we can count on. And um, and they start asking me questions about my tape collection. Billichick did, and so I started telling him all the games I had taped and everything thing and 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 the, and it just kind of stared at me for a minute and, and he said um what would an opportunity mean to you in the nfl and i looked him dead square in the eyes without blinking i said it would mean everything to be coach bilichick i said i will do whatever it takes to succeed here and it's like that i sat up in my chair and, and i didn't even blink and, and he and i were just staring at each other for a good probably 10 seconds no exaggeration and, and we just stared in each other's eyes and he said okay he said well thanks for coming out to new york and I'm like, okay, yeah, thank you for having me, guys. I really, you know, and I, I was expecting a job. I mean, like, like where are we leaving this, right? And, and, and that was it. And they took me back to the hotel. I flew back to uh, Minnesota and without a job offer. Then two weeks later, uh, the phone rang. And uh, it was 516. I knew immediately it was, it was Pioli. And, uh, you know, I, I picked up the phone. It's like, you know, being a you know a player in draft aid, you know, so it's, it's like when they call you wage your entire life for. Her. And I pick it up and, and uh, right. you know, he says, uh, you know, Dan? He said, I, I said, yeah. And he goes, uh, Scott here. He goes, listen, uh, Bill's reached a decision on you. Um, and, and I need to talk to you about a couple things. He said, number one, uh, I was able to get, uh, you know, it's not a lot of money, but I was able to get uh, 21000 a year approved for your first year. and I, And I know that's not a lot, he said, but. You know, I get you a couple of season tickets on top of it. Uh, Plus I get you a meal card over at at Hofstra. So, you you know, you can, you can get your meals squared away. Um, You know, but I need to talk to you about a couple of things. He goes, number one, he said, uh, you know, overtime in the NFL is not uh, optional. It's required. And uh, number two, I know you're newly married. He said it and, 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 you know, the NFL hours can, you know, are not always the kindest on, on new marriages. Uh, so if, if you need some time to think about this, I'm like, I, I don't need any time to think about this, Scott. I said, are you asking? those? I am. I said, well, I accept. And, and, and that was it. And, and he goes, well, uh, well, Dan, he says, uh, congratulations. Uh, you're the newest member of the New York Jets. Wow. And I, I, I broke out. Yeah. Amazing story. Thank you. Yeah, it was amazing to live.
1: Can I ask how many times you asked Man. yourself, is this really happening? Many. Yeah. i heard the story. It, it really sounds like that. Um, I mean, from the first call to the Saints, to the last call from the Saints,
2: first call of New
1: York, to meeting Bill Belichick, meeting Bill Parcells, like,
2: just, that's awesome. Right, right. Yeah, it was incredible. It, it, it's you know it, it's funny because um you know the it, it was it was I, I was it was it was surreal my my entire four years out with the jets with the entire process was surreal to your point um you know I, it just you know i was at practice and, and my my hero john riggin showed up you know, covering the jets of the member of the media, Uh, Lawrence Taylor came to another practice. Uh, Joe Namath was in our building, Joe Theismann. Um, You know, it was just, uh, you know, I, I went to the NFL scouting combine four years in a row to help out with the college scouting department. And, you know, I walked in the uh, dome and and I walked right past Bill Walsh when the quarterbacks were throwing in the end zone. I I sat in the bleachers next to Al Davis and Eric Dickerson. Um, You know, it, it was just surreal. You know, I rode in the elevator with Brian Billick. It was just, you know, everywhere I looked was, was, you know, people, everybody I recognized. And, You know, to go from being a fan, and that's my story. It's, 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 I'm a fan. That, that's, that's who I am. And you know, go from you know, just you know, being a big time fan to actually you know watching these guys on TV to actually being there. And you know, like my first month in a job, Bill Belichick loaned me his 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 personal vehicle so I could drive around find a place to live on Long Island. I mean, it was just surreal. You know, seeing seeing all those guys and. And being around them, and um, it was something I never, never got over during my four years in the in the league.
0: So, what, um, what happened at the end of those four years? If you don't mind, I don't
2: absolutely. Mind well, it, it's it's the four years was was it was um, um, an incredible roller coaster, uh, personally and professionally for me. Um, my first month in a job, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer uh, at twenty four. And, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. So I, I, you know, there I am. I, I finally made the NFL and yeah, oh, I had really a lot of the swelling in the testicle area and, and, uh, went into the doctor's office. They they said, yeah, I mean, you got testicular cancer. So, um, you know, that was, that was my life flashing in front of my eyes, went through two major operations, um, and, uh, you know, overcame that. And then, um, And the doctors told me I'd probably never be able to have children. And so during my time there, uh, right after we lost the AFC championship game in 98, uh, a few months later, my first wife and I found out we were expecting. And uh, I had a little girl named Bailey Hope, uh, born October 16th, 1999, named after Champ Bailey, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) The Redskins stopped draft pick in 99. And, uh, and, uh, you know, she was born. And then at 15 months old, she was diagnosed with neuroblastoma cancer stage 4. Yeah. And so, you know, that was kind of the backdrop to answer your question to my time during, you know, during the Jets, my four years there was, was dealing with those two cancers. And then on top of that, you know, the first two years I was with the Jets, you know, we had Pioli and Parcells and Bilichek and all the guys we're talking about. Well, then of course, Bilichek, matter of fact, you know, he walked right past me when he, when he, you know, that press conference, when he went and turned on the job with the Jets, he literally, you know, it's like, it's like my Forrest Gump moment in life. You know, I, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like that nice young man coach, you know, he walked right past me in the hallway, you know, before he went to new England, you know, and it, it, so, you know, he said, hi, Dan, I said, Hey coach. And he left for new England. So, and of course then, um, uh, you know, Peoli went with him and a bunch of coaches went with them. And so my, my third year, um, I was the uh, Jets, uh, special team scout, which I believe I was the first special team scout in NFL history. I wrote another 350 page book on all the special teams players in the NFL and, and helped our special teams coach with game planning and all that my third season. Um, and then that's when my Tana bomb was, was, um, uh, elevated uh, to my boss and um uh, and then uh, in my fourth season uh, we had another change i'll grow uh, my third season my fourth season was with terry bradway came in carl peterson's assistant with the kansas City chiefs at the time came in the brgm and then herm edwards uh, he hired her to be our head coach so that was my fourth season um you know my fourth season uh you know it was was um I didn't hit it off with Terry Bradway at all. He didn't, he didn't take a liking to me and, and it was just pretty obvious. And so, you know, they, they may reach a decision that they wanted to part ways with me and, you know, Carl, you know, uh, Terry wanted to bring in some more of his own guys from the chiefs and stuff. And, and, um, and, and, and I went through it, like I said, a lot of personal stuff at the time. And my, my daughter ended a passing sure. away on Christmas day, uh, 2001, right before that. Uh, oh, so man. yeah, that was difficult. I was out there for nine, Thank you, I'm thank really you. Sorry. And I was out there, uh, you know, at, for nine eleven. I lived thirty miles away from Ground Zero, uh, so I mean, it was a lot of it was it was like like a two lane, you know, like a two like a double decker bus. There was two levels to, you know, to the story at all times, um, you know. But you know, I I, I you know I was twenty four years old. I I, I look back. You know, at that time, I was sitting in the best chair in the NFL. I mean, all I had to do is just get the stupid chicken wings and keep my mouth shut, which unfortunately is something I couldn't do. And because I was so passionate, I wanted to win. I spoke on a turn, and um, you know, it cost me. It, it did. You know, I it, I was too impatient. I wasn't disciplined enough, and um, you know, so so it was a little bit of that too. You know, I I had some some immaturity. I had you know enough talent to get there, but I had some immaturity at the time too that that cost me. And uh, so, you know, they let me go after my fourth season uh, after Bailey passed away, and that they'd end up letting me go. And I moved back to Minnesota, which which was, was extremely painful, to be honest with you guys, uh, you know, because I always I always look forward to someday I'm going to be in the NFL. Someday, you know, that's my dream. And, and to be, you know, 28 years old, 27, 28 years old, to be looking, you know, at my dream in the rearview mirror, I, I didn't even know what I was going to do with my life because all I ever wanted to do was be in the NFL. And I, I kind of thought that once I got in, right. I was going to go straight to becoming a general manager at some point, which a lot of the young guys in our staff, End up becoming GMs. I mean, I worked on staff with Brian Gain, who went on to become the GM with the Houston Texans. I worked on staff with Trent Balky. You know, Trent was hired after I got there. Uh, you know, he went on to become the GM with the 49ers. So, I mean, there was a lot of guys. You know, we, we all know the big names that we're talking about, but uh, all the young guys, too, went on to become directors of GMs in the NFL on the, on the entire staff. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Shea is the pro director. I trained him in. He's a pro director now with the Kansas City Chiefs. We had we had Brandon Profit, who ended up spending you know time with the Detroit Lions as a pro director. Uh, you know, we just had you know directors. We had Joey Klingskills was on our staff. He went on to become the director in Oakland uh, line. Like I said, Lionel Bytel, my mentor, is the uh, college scouting director with the Cowboys. I mean, so the whole the whole staff was just. You know, there's a lot of people on that staff that went on to run teams and stuff. So, you know, moving back to Minnesota on the, on the backside of my dream at 28 years old. And then, of course, then sitting there and having to watch the Patriots win two, three Super Bowls right right off the bat. And, you know, I, I just, you know, after one of the Super Bowls, I just broke down and started crying because it literally was like watching my life from the from the window.
0: For sure. I mean, like you said, you finally got there and then you're just dealt with all this. Yeah. All these challenges. Yeah. Life altering challenges. I mean Well, let let's change it up a little bit here, lighten up because I you know, this is a fantasy social fantasy fantasy show. So I'd like to get your take on a couple of things if you don't mind. And I got a question for you. Back in ninety four, ninety five, did you do the Star Tribune fantasy stuff that you mailed into the I paper? did
2: not. I did not. That's funny that I did not.
0: Well, I just cause you mentioned, you know, I could see being that passionate doing something like that i mean i think that's why there's um you know a lot of folks that do fantasy football it's not necessarily like the gamble it's they love football you know um it's it's that whole being and and really atb we're we're all about you know by the fan for the fan right so we can really appreciate your story of you know being the fan and and you know it's interesting when you mention Haley because a lot of people don't realize where Todd Haley came from and in, in the backgrounds with his dad mm-hmm. and the Steelers. And it's you know and Belichick too. If you hear Belichick's background, I mean he, he wasn't he wasn't a star football player athlete. He just he just immersed himself in it all the mm-hmm. time like you did. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that you know that was the that was the man that hired you but I, I that is that interesting. interesting. The other thing is Can you tell us a little bit about that uh, revolutionary special teams thing you did? I was reading up. I did a little searching online and, uh, you know, was reading about the 98 championship and the scripted plays and and the special team system. So I wouldn't mind if you kind of – I'm big into systems for fantasy football. I know I was just telling someone on Twitter I actually prefer opportunity and system over talent when I draft a Uh fantasy football team. A lot of people don't, but I feel like you can you get a much better understanding of uh, certain coaches like to use certain types of players and certain players in a certain way. And at least that's my opinion. And so I kind of do it that way. So I'd like to hear some of the special teams, you know, info kind of things that you were you changed or helped change or develop. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know,
2: special teams was always near and dear to my heart uh, growing up with the Redskins with uh, Wayne Severe, That was a big part of Joe Gibbs, uh, you know, teams was, was special teams. You know, that was always, you know, a third of the game and a big part of the game uh, growing up watching the team in, in RFK. And so, you know, I always, that was kind of in my heart to begin with. And so when I got out to the Jets, one uh, of the very first things that, that Scott Pioli started talking to me about was the importance of special teams. And, and he gave me a couple of special teams projects right off the bat and kind of told me, you know, Hey, this is what we did in Cleveland. Uh, You know, we really, you know, we really want to have a special emphasis on special teams. And so that really kind of perked my ears up. And, and so once they left for new England, uh, Tannenbaum pulled me in the office. He said, listen, uh, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to make you our, our special teams uh, scout. Um, and so what you're going to do is you're going to uh, write up, you know, whoever we're going to play next week, uh, you know, kind of like an advanced scout. Um, you know, I want you to look at all the special teams, all the guys. On and so if we're playing Miami next week, uh, you know, I'd be looking at Miami's kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return units, and writing up every single player on every single unit and identifying not only where they lined up, but also as far as how they were as a player. And I developed a color coded grading system. Um, in addition to that, that was able to, identify like like you know blue was a blue chip guy green was very good gray was was you know I, i'd actually fill in the colors was was average and pink was a reject and so 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 basically uh, you know i was able to identify in every single unit where the strengths of every unit was for our opponents and, and where the weaknesses were and then what i did is i made probably a 20 page report every week to that effect probably watched six or seven eight games on the on the upcoming opponent uh just on special teams and then i type it all up and i would go into my sweat who was our special teams coach at the time, and I would sit down with him and, you know, I would go over my report. And, and talk about, you know, who the best players were in Miami special teams, who were the worst players. You know, I think, you know, Coach Wetman, I think that Miami is very weak, uh, very vulnerable on the left side of their kickoff formation, and so what we would do is we would gear our kickoff returns to their to their left, our right, and so the, the special, you know, when, when you combine special teams scouting with special teams coaching, it was a very powerful concept, I felt, uh, because, uh, you know, not only, you know, schematically, uh, you could see where the weak this is where and of course uh, you know that that was a, that was a, an advantage um, you know so then i took it a step further and I, I evaluate all the other teams in the NFL on my own, uh, you know, as well. And so I actually evaluated all 32, uh, you know, teams in the league, their kickoff, kickoff, return, punt, punt, return units in the NFL. And it turned to be a 350-page book, another one uh, that I, I, you know, I printed and, and had bound bounded uh, FedEx Kinko's. And, um, and Chris Shea, actually, who I, I helped train in, like I mentioned, who's a scouting, a pro, a scouting director in Kansas City, uh, you know, he helped me develop an Excel spreadsheet that actually a formula that weighted uh, you know, like like you know, which guys were the best special teams players on that team. So there's a little bit more weight given the formula. The guys that were on more than one unit per se. So if a guy was a core special teams player, you got a little bit you know a little bit more weight put to him on the formula. Um, and so basically, uh, at the end at the end of the day, um, you know there was a, a like a, I had a whole Excel spreadsheet full of these guys around the NFL, and uh, you know ranking the top you know the best special teams and the best special teams players in the NFL. And, and really, it was an eye opening experience. because, because, uh, you know, this was something that that at first, you know, I kind of, you know, kind of was a little bit you know, perturbed by it. I felt like it was kind of like a demotion, but it actually turned to be the best thing that ever happened in my time at the Jets, because, uh, wh- you know, what, what, it, what it helped me to develop was a revolutionary system uh, that I believe to this day, if given the opportunity, can feel the best special teams in the National Football League, the most dominant special teams in the NFL, and, and also something that can build the best depth in the NFL, because what happens, guys, is with these special teams players, these guys are expendable on rosters these are not the big name free agents these guys are league minimum guys and, and and they become available readily available and so you can go you can go grab I mean you can go grab three four five six of these guys tomorrow's per se who are some of the best special teams players in the NFL for from league minimum salaries and all of a sudden you got the best special teams in the NFL you control the field position well if you control the field position mathematically you have a better chance offensively uh, your, your offense is put in a better starting field position and adversely, on the flip side of the coin, you know, the, the opponent's offense is put in a worse starting field position. And, and so mathematically, it just gives you a better statistical, uh, you know, chance to win the game for having the best special teams and be able to control the field position. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I don't, you know, Joe Paterno talked about that the, the, best, the best opportunity to give yourself to win was to have a good kicking game, play good defense and don't turn over the ball. And it was all based on that same f- philosophy of you control the field position, you control the game, you control the tempo, you, you, you give yourself the best opportunity to win. Absolutely. Any given day. So to me, so to me, that makes complete. And Absolutely.
2: And, sense. and it's interesting because not only that but but you know on special teams it was interesting because i was able to find like like you could you could actually see because a lot of these backup players you don't get a chance to see a lot in offense or defense but you watch them on special teams and a lot of the characteristics that that you're looking for in a in a position show up in special teams film for example a linebacker let's say there's a young linebacker never plays really in defense but it plays a lot in special teams well you can see all the attributes you're looking for in a linebacker you can see you know first of all you can see how physical he is uh you can see how aggressive he is you can see if he wants it or doesn't want it you can see mainly you can see his hands can the guy actually shut a block and use his hands and get rid of a block um you you can see if the guy's stiff in the hips if he takes good angles to the ball carrier you can see a lot of the characteristics that transfer into the position that he's naturally listed to on the roster if that makes sense Right. So, so like, like sure, a young receiver, sure. you know, if, if you're watching a young receiver and never plays on offense, but he's on special teams as a gunner, if if that guy is tight in the hips and he can't change direction quickly, but he can run a four two forty, that's going to show up every day all the time on special teams film, because he's always going to be rounding things off when he's trying to change direction. If he's really tight in the hips, well, that's not going to change when he plays wide receiver. If you, if you sign him and you try to play wide receiver with him, he's going to be running those coat hanger, you know, looking routes and in the, in the, the corners go jumping right. for a pick six, you know, so you can see, all the specifics, you know, they translate to it. So I was convinced that you, like I said, not only could you control the field position, uh, but you also could build the best depth in the NFL using other people's, basically, you know, the old saying, the old adage, you know, what's, what man's trash. Yeah, exactly. When man, man's trash and another man's right. treasure. You could actually build the best special teams in the NFL, which would, you know, probably because, you know, there, there's a lot of games. I think they said, even back when I did this report, I think 33% of the games are decided by, you know, three points or less. So I mean, the margin of uh, between 6 and 10 and 10 and 6 is, is, you know, not that much. And, and, and that's the difference between getting fired or, or going to the playoffs, you know, as far as the staff's concerned. So, so, so it, it, I really felt like I was on to something. You know, I was on to this revolutionary system And it's funny because when the Jets let me go years later uh, in 2012, I had a chance. I was invited back to be the uh, guest speaker at sports management worldwide uh, at the NFL Combine at the Hyatt Regency. And um, and I ran into Andy Reid. I came face to face with Coach Reid when he was with the Eagles. And, uh, you know, I I told Coach Reid about this project I'm I'm sharing with you guys. And I said, you know, would you be willing to take a look at my book? You know, if I send it to you, my special teams book. And, And he said, send it to me. And so I did, and uh, I almost got hired with the Eagles. Uh, matter of fact, he put me in touch with his, his special teams coach, Bobby April, who was one that you know voted three times special teams coach of the year with the Eagles. And uh, Coach April called me, and he told me three times in the first two minutes of the conversation, he said that this special teams thing is excellent. He goes, I, I I had a guy like you at Buffalo, he said, but no, but nothing like this. And so so it had been it, my, my my concept, you know, proof of concept they call it, right? Uh, it, it has received really high you know remarks from 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 a number of special teams coaches and i believe that you know if given the opportunity i not only could i like i said build the most dominant best special teams in the nfl but i also could figure out you know how to, how to build the best depth in the nfl as well with this 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 system that i just kind of stumbled upon during my time with the jets
0: well and i tell you what now i understand too why sometimes special teams coaches and and players move on because i'm willing to bet the way special teams is done that you can see better on film even the things you talk about those characteristics the tight hips the cutting off the angles because it it's more spread out i mean it's more spread out the way the field is it's much easier to see one-on-one a player doing something <laughs> excuse me i would imagine that when they're all clumped up together especially anybody with their block absolutely Absolutely. So
2: you can def- definitely see those things. You, you can see the athletic, you know, all the characteristics you're talking about. And you also can see very clearly who wants it and who doesn't.
0: Sure. Well, and I got to ask you, is that how, how much does heart, or I mean, because it sounds like to me that there's a couple of times you've been off on players because you just don't think they have the drive or the heart. And, and I can understand and appreciate that. Do all NFL coaches understand and appreciate that, or does that vary from
2: coach It to coach? varies. It varies. It, it, there, there's, you know, some teams will draft guys just based on their their physical characteristics, you know, because they figure there's only so many people in the world that are 6, 7, 300 pounds that can bench press a, you know, a, a refrigerator. <laughs> you know, so they'll just, you know, whether the guy, you know, so they don't look at heart, they look at more of the athletic ability. Some teams, they, they really look at the heart. They really look at the want. And, uh, you know, that's just where I'm, I, you know, where I come from being a fan. You know, I mean, there, there's not a bigger turnoff in football to me personally. I mean, if I was a GM, I, I you know, I, I'm sitting there looking at a guy, if he if he's playing touch tag and, and just kind of just going through the motions and just backhanding a paycheck every week, and I, I <laughs> you know, the ski mask on, so to speak, like some of those guys I, I feel do are just an, an embarrassment on the field, like Ryan Kerrigan was last year in Washington. Uh, you know, I, I would never, you know, have anything to do with him. But where other other teams, you know, they, they you know, they, they come from different places. So I think where the coach, to answer your question, I think where the coach, where the scout, where the GM, uh, where the director comes from, what the background is, has a lot to do with, uh, you know, what, you know, because everybody likes different players and every and different players fit every system. There's no cookie cutter. There's no set, you know, system uh, or no set way of doing it. But for me, uh, you know, it, it, nothing, nothing's more exciting to me than a guy that wants it. And, and, and I won't, you know, nothing will make me kill a guy faster on a scouting report than a guy that just basically taking plays off and, and just, you know, like I said, stealing a paycheck.
0: Well, uh, you know, while I agree, you can't teach your coach speed and size. You also can't right. teach and coach heart. I mean, the Michael Jordan's, the Peyton Manning's of the world. And I tell you what, we got a guy on the crew like this, Paul. Paul is like this. He he has a drive that um, I, you don't find in too many people.
2: Wow, that sounds that sounds. Hey, I like that.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that, Rich. Thank you. It's true. It's true, man. So
3: well, you you know you and Nugget, you guys, uh, you know the, everybody at the ATB team, man, y'all you know, were crazy enough to to join me on this journey. You guys make me look really good, so I appreciate that, man.
0: Look good. I make you look. You got to be careful, man. I don't make too many people look good. You might want to distance <laughs> yourself at times. I'm just saying. <clears throat> Um, uh, I'm just trying to be
3: nice at this point. I've had a couple of beers, Rich, so <laughs> that's, that's cool.
0: That's cool. I appreciate you know, that. You know, and I'm, you know, I was going to say, go say ahead, Daniel, Pop. you
3: know, I, I appreciate what you just said about heart and, you know, uh, mental toughness and things like that. And that was one thing that, you know, being a Dallas Cowboys fan, a lot of people have a, uh, a dislike for Dak Prescott, but that was one thing I, I learned about him just after his rookie year about his his mindset, his leadership qualities, you know, having a master's degree in leadership and just the will and desire and the work ethic. You know, I could never understand why, why people didn't, didn't like Dak Prescott. And, you know, hearing you say that, that that's what you look for in a player, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. What are your thoughts on Dak Prescott? I'm curious.
2: I like him a lot. I, I like a matter of fact uh, last year I had a chance to interview with uh, the Redskins last October, uh, with Bruce Allen. And I ended up doing uh, eight advanced scouting reports as part of my audition. Um, I was scheduled to be a, a scouter or coach with the Redskins probably uh, had he not got fired on black Monday. Uh, so I came really close in that situation I, and I had a chance to look at Dallas and, and, um, you know, I I I didn't realize, and this is my wife's favorite team, ironically, right? <laughs> uh, it, it's and of course it, it's almost like God's sense of humor. I, I mean, I'm mean i a Redskins guy, right? A Washington fan, and my wife ends up being a Cowboys fan, and I got my one of my you know best friends, Lionel, who is a scouting director for the Cowboys. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's it, but but when I watched Dak, I was really impressed. I was really really impressed by him. I, I gave him a blue chip grade. Um, I thought that uh, you know he was he was uh, is the maturity he showed um, in in the pocket uh, the leadership he showed he was calm cool and collected he seemed to have a lot of command of the offense and uh, he he was uh, somebody that was was a a definitely had natural born you know leadership skills and that's that's huge and he throws the ball pretty well too so uh, you know I was really impressed
3: yeah so what's that like on Sundays when when the Redskins and the Cowboys face off in the household in the Kelly household
2: yeah, that that's uh, well. It, it, it's it's we've learned to temper it throughout the years. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there, there was a Thanksgiving about three years ago. It got a little intense, you know. There, there was a there was a hoo like that, like a real loud, you know, kind of like in my face type of thing done, and yeah. I, I got I got pretty pretty annoyed pretty fast because uh, you know I, I had to remind myself, okay, this is my wife. It's a female. If this was a guy, da da da. da. You know, it, it, it just you know, <laughs> you know, it, it, we kind of got into it a little bit, you know, because I I can become I, I'm extremely competitive. I mean, I'm a guy that will walk in the giant stadium and I'll, I'll sit down, in the blue crew with all Redskin stuff on. I don't care if there's 15,000 guys behind me that want to pop me in the, in the face. I'll come in there and just, you know, I'll just put my hand up by ears like I can't even hear them. You know, I mean, I, I I'm I'm extremely I I, I mean, I, if I became general manager of the Redskins, uh, you know, I, I would I would be even, you know, I, even more so. So but but uh, yeah, it, it's intense. It, it can be intense at times. You know, I, I'm a little bit different person. Anybody will tell you on game day, I'm a little bit different person. Um, you know, I, I if if I was given a chance to be a special teams coach in the NFL, I could get any 11 guys to run through a brick wall. I got, I got so much so much going for me on, on game day. It's, it's 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 crazy. I mean, even my kids say, Daddy, don't don't drink any energy drinks. You You don't need them. <laughs> that's awesome
0: yeah I suppose you know I just realized we're, we're probably not we're supposed to probably refer to him as the Washington football
2: yeah no comment <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair enough
2: Hey, and let, let's, let's enough. just put it let's just put it this way uh, you know the sports world should be lucky that, that, that a different Daniel owns the team because uh, if I if I was a, a billionaire If I was a billionaire and, uh, you know, I had a chance to, uh, they they told me to change the name, I would have tied that up in the court system for years. And and I would have told FedEx what they could do with their money. And I would have got UPS in line too. And I would have found a workaround to all that stuff with different corporate sponsors. So I I wasn't a big fan of the move at all. And I was actually really disappointed that Daniel Snyder, uh, you know, made the move after 2013, vowing never to change the name.
0: Well, I I think part of the name change is because of all the, the other accusations that were coming out. I think it was just the straw that broke the camel's back as far as pushing back and forth. Right, right. I really do. And it doesn't, and it doesn't sound like necessarily that he's maybe he is, but it didn't sound like anything I read that had him directly involved, but you know, it's that it look, it's the no fun time. I mean, you just, you, you, you you can't do anything. I mean, I'm not saying they're condoning anything anybody did. It's just it, it, the tolerance for anything anymore is gone. There is no. Right, I, right. You know, I, I'm i looking forward to the season. I'm getting a little bummed about how much more they're making it, you know, political. I, I get why. Everyone has a voice. I I don't use my voice at work. I guess, in my opinion, that's work, you know. But I, I just want to watch football. I just want to get away from all the other stuff. You I know? agree. So, and – you know, I, in fact, I'll ask as someone who has wanted, I mean, I've I've looked at those scouting programs and things like that. I've considered it. I've kind of given up mentality as I'm, I'm too old and I haven't really done anything with it, but we still use a lot of the same principles for fantasy. You know, and this is a fantasy show. You got any tips for us on how to break down film?
2: Yeah, it's, 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 um, in terms of the, the the film, I mean, the the key is watching a lot of it, you know, it, because it, you know you got to get an overall picture of the guy. You know, I, I'll usually watch five, six, seven games uh, on a player. Um, you know, and, and you're looking for consistent attributes, you know, so you're looking at, you know, maybe a guy, you know, does something really good on a player two, but does he do it consistently, you know, so like a receiver, for example, um, you know, does he catch the ball consistently with his hands? Um, does he seem to have a lot of confidence? You know, that's a big one for me. Um, you know, you know, does he run crisp routes, um, you know, is, is he got flexible, you know, fluid hips? Can he break it off, you know, at the top of the route? Um, you know, does he is he polished looking? You know, it's just it's just watching a lot of film there. So no, that's the thing about scouting is, is, is it's not rocket science. It, it, it's it's, uh, you know, it's just a matter of watching a lot of film and uh, becoming very comfortable with the players. And of course, there's so many players, it's impossible to watch all the film. That's why every team's got so many different scouts. But, um, you know, one, one of the big things I think Scott Pioli taught me about watching film is that, uh, you know, make sure you watch a couple games at the beginning of a season, maybe a couple in the middle, maybe a couple at the end, because uh, guys can change. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's going through a personal tough time. Uh, maybe he uh, maybe caught him in a bad game. Maybe caught him in a good game. Uh, try to get, a, you know, a big picture, you know, consistent view of the guy uh, when you're watching you know, the, the film itself. Um, and if you can get your hands on like, uh, you know, like NFL game pass or something like that, that that's amazing. Do you guys have that? Or you, you guys been on that on, on the, um, on the game pass. Is that what they gave out free for a while back in the spring? It may have been, it may, yeah, because I think they were going to but when the, when the COVID thing, when the whole thing started, I think they had a little special running or something, um, But yeah, the Game Pass is incredible because with the Game Pass, you have access to all 22 game films. Uh, which is exactly what the coaches use, and exactly what we had the Jets. Uh, so it's different, totally different than watching NFL, like like watching a game on television uh, because a game, you know, with all, all 22 access uh, coaches film, you, you, they, they show you the end zone, they show you the sideline cut-ups so without any sound, uh, so it's way different than watching a televised game, but it's so much better when you're valuing players because if you're watching players, uh, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on a TV televised game, uh, it's really tough, it, you know, wherever the ball goes the camera goes and you're not seeing a lot of stuff that's going on you know during so I mean if you can get you know that's a big big key to it too is getting access to that it's worth I think it's like a hundred bucks it's it's well worth it because uh, not only do you get all the games but you can I think this last seven seasons worth of games so you can go back you can watch any game you know it's right at your fingertips awesome yeah appreciate that yeah you're welcome absolutely <laughs> Daniel do you, do you- it all comes down to study film do you do you play fantasy football? I haven't had a chance to because I've been so busy trying to get back in. I hear you. Uh, you know, last you know, last couple of years. And, and and to your point you just made about, you know, feeling like maybe you're, you're too old. I mean, I'm 46 years old. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I almost got back in last year with the with Redskins. And, uh, you know, you never know what age it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. So if that's your dream, go for it. Because, uh, you know, back in 2017, I spent over $100,000 with the time and money trying to become the GM of the Cleveland Browns. And uh, this last year and, you know, this last fall, um, you know, we we took every dime we had in savings to try to audition for the Redskins job for the last nine weeks of the season. And uh, we ended up uh, putting, you know, liquidating ourselves, basically going for that job with Bruce Allen, you know, only to get fired on on Black Monday. So, So if you have that dream of getting in, Uh, And that's the beauty of football. And it's the beauty of the NFL is there's so many stories as you touched on earlier uh, that, um, you know, it's, it's, you never know, you never know when the right time, the right place, the right situation might come along and uh, you may have a chance. I think Vince Lombardi was even like 42 or something, wasn't he? Like 42 when he got his first job or 40 or 42 or something with the with the giants. Yeah. You know, so it it can happen at any point. Um, You know, so, so, you know, like I always say, wave the punter off the field and go for it.
0: (laughs) I like, well, Nugget, no, you're kind of our analytics guy, wouldn't you say, out of the group here? Oh, um, maybe the group is really bad at analytics because
1: uh, I <laughs> consider myself a big analytics guy. But, continue well, with the question.
0: Well, I, I guess, I mean, I, I go back to one of your first articles, the way you, you broke down where you were drafting to try to get a good sample set. I mean, you were doing much more so than, than what, I guess, I think Paul and I do. So, um but anyway, yes, It, I thought I had read somewhere that you you really were using analytics as a part of your process. Analytics has been kind of a big thing in fantasy lately. Um, is there some truth to that, or what's your background on analytics? Because, I mean, you're obviously... You know, one of the things analytics is quick punting on fourth down, and, and you've referenced that, which I get, you know, is more to your overall story, but you've referenced that a few times about, you know, forget the ponder, let's go for it.
2: Right, right. No, absolutely. Matter of fact, my, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, my, my head coach, uh, I, and I wrote I wrote this to Mr. Haslam with the, with the owner of the Browns, that if he would have me, given me that GM's job in Cleveland, my head coach was going to be uh, Kevin Kelly. Have you guys heard of him? No, I have not. Yeah, he's he's a he's under the radar. Uh, he's a, a high school coach in in uh, Pulaski High uh, in Arkansas. And uh, he's a guy that uh, if you if you, if you uh, Google his name Kevin Kelly K E L L E Y I'm just I have no E Y just Y in the end of my name but but um, Kevin Kelly is is a very very intriguing coach. Uh, he's a guy that that you know because for years I would talk to you know different people and I would say my philosophy is to go for it on fourth down. I don't have a punter on my, my, my team you know and and that's what I told you know Mr Haslam I said if if you hire me I said we're going to go for it every single fourth down and and my coach is going to be Kevin Kelly. Now Kevin Kelly is very interesting. If he, if, like I said, if you look up his name, because he's been on HBO's Inside Sports. Uh, uh, Bill Belichick invites him up every year to Foxborough for a week. He talks to him. Peoli's talked to him. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that's, and he's also a big Cowboys fan, which is which is interesting. Uh, and it's his dream job to work for the Cowboys. Um, and and uh, but he's a guy that actually has it mathematically worked out uh, to all the mathematical you know advantages to your point. Uh, you know about about going for it on fourth down, and and he, he he has it worked out to a sign. Science. As a matter of fact, he does onside kicks every time I think too, um, and he has that worked out to a science. And now he's starting to incorporate like rugby into his game planning um, as well. And uh, he's won seven state championships uh, for his high school. And uh, he's a guy that, 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 to me, to me, and, and I convinced Bill Bilicek to hire me. And I personally believe that if you're going to beat Bill Belichick, if you're going to be better than Belichick, if you're going to be better than New England Patriots, you got to get a guy in there who is going to who is going to really be more aggressive than Bill Belichick. And to me, Kevin Kelly is that guy. He is that guy that can be more aggressive because he'll go for it in every single fourth down. So nobody may know who that is right now, but that was going to be my head coach and still be my head coach if someone to call me tomorrow and say, okay, we're going to put you in the GM's chair. I would announce Kevin Kelly at my press conference.
3: Holy cow. That, quite the praise
0: there. Right. I have and Ray, go ahead. What's that? No, I said I have heard the name, but that's – I couldn't give you – I wanted to say there's a player, too, that's come out of his program that's well-known that I, I couldn't name
2: him. Yeah, my team's going to be a lot different when, when I get a chance to run a team. Uh, Ray Lewis is going to be my defensive coordinator as well.
0: You convinced you can get him coming off the uh, TV the TV screen to go into coaching?
2: I, I believe so. I believe so. He's talked a little bit about it. There's been a couple teams that have tried, it and he said he would be interested. Um, I, I would – you know. Nobody can carry a locker room like like Ray I, I, that that that's who I want to call my defense
3: you know Daniel, just listening to you talk about all your stories and just your enthusiasm for the game and everything. Have you ever thought well maybe i should I should step into the broadcast booth?
2: It's interesting you say that <laughs> I have actually uh, you know and it's been interesting because a lot of doors have recently been opening for me along those lines uh, writing for Sports Illustrated with the Detroit Lions. And um, having a chance to be interviewed with uh, Linda Cohn uh, about three weeks ago, um, you know, the direction maybe, you know, to your point, it very well could be possible. At this point, I'm open to whatever, whatever, you know, doors open, you know, that that's, you know, I'm, I'm not a smart guy, but I'm, I'm smart enough to know that, you know, the walk through the doors when they open and uh, you never know where it can lead to. But I, I would totally be open to doing something like that. Uh, my grandma used to say I should have been a broadcaster years ago. So I appreciate your, your, uh, you know, your comment. I'd definitely be open to it.
0: So the uh, interview with Linda Cohn, is there any uh-huh. place we can catch that?
2: Yes, it's on uh, Mad dog radio. Um, and um, I, I, I put it on my Twitter a couple times and um, it, it's on the serious radio uh, channel. I think it was channel uh, 82, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so, yeah, it's listed right under there. If you log on uh, to serious radio and go to mad dog radio, it, it was listed uh, with the interview with her.
0: Hit us up with your Twitter handle, if you don't mind.
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, At Daniel Kelly Book.
0: Daniel Kelly Book. Yes, sir. All right. Nugget, I know you mentioned you had kind of a golden nugget you wanted to uh, bring Mr. Kelly in on or ask his
1: thoughts, I believe. Well, now that that I learned she doesn't do fantasy football. (laughs) I uh, may have to skip it- that question to the specific to fantasy football, but I hey, I continue. <laughs> what are you saying? I was going
2: to say I'm I'm playing the ultimate fantasy football. I'm I'm trying to become the general manager of an NFL team. <laughs> uh, what but, greater fantasy is there than that? No, uh, no, right?
1: I, I I get it, but mine was specific to uh, like a super flex quarterback leads and like trade value, so I I, I can. How about this?
0: Um, I well, wait a second. We, I... you know what? No, get hold on. We we have somebody who analyzes talent better than anyone. Okay. So while he can't necessarily maybe have some insight of the trade or yes or no above below, what we can obviously get from him though, I think, would be uh, his 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 view on a certain player worth their value.
1: Perfect. You know what I'm saying? Perfect. And I know exactly how to bring it up then. All right, so Lay it on us. golden nugget for the week. I, uh, I'm known to go very uh, draft-heavy quarterbacks in a super flex league, which is where we start two quarterbacks in our given lineup. I know it's sometimes uh, not a common format, but it's one of my favorites. And Daniel,
0: just, uh, just to give you background why we do this in Fantasy League is to make the quarterback more a scarce commodity as it is in the real NFL.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
2: So sorry, no. No, again.
1: no. That's that's what I was trying to explain. I just I wasn't doing a good job as great a job as you did. Um, so my question is I have been receiving offers that I feel have been very, very low for quarterbacks. And I'm kind of like, Am I overvalued or am I are they just trying to um Rip it off rip me off. I don't I'm not accusing him, but I'm just like, what's what's going on here? So let me uh let me pull up an offer while I pull that up. What do you what are you guys' opinions on kind of trade value for quarterbacks before I ask Daniel a specific question?
0: So my opinion on trade value in quarterbacks in a one QB league, nobody wants one. In a in a super flexor two QB league Everybody thinks they're worth a pot of gold because if you can get three on your team, you know there's other teams that are going to be short-staffed because of bye weeks. That said, I don't know if it's worth paying a premium for a very high-end quarterback. For example, I don't know how, and this would be a prime example to ask Daniel Kelly here, Kirk Cousins, for fantasy purposes, I have no problem putting my super flex spot. If I can get a Kirk Cousins from somebody, because I think from a trade standpoint, Daniel, you're not going to have to give up much to get a Kirk Cousins. From an NFL standpoint, I don't know. Daniel, what, what's your thought on Kirk Cousins? I think he happens to get it done and he's got a winner's attitude. That's just my opinion.
2: I can't stand him. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, and this is this is the beauty of scouting, right? Because I, I suffered through five years of Kirk Cousins in Washington, and, and to me, he's a guy. Now I understand the the, the process of, of 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 the fantasy numbers. I get that because he pitches big numbers, but from an NFL standpoint, I, I wrote a letter to Jimmy Haslam, practically begging him not to trade for for Kirk Cousins when they were talking about it. Um, and because it was something where it, in every single big game type of situation, the guy folds like a tent, whether the, the, the lights are bright on Monday night football, um, if, if the season's on a light, I remember there was a game uh, when, when Kirk cousins, okay. when, you know, the, his, his, his contract was up in Washington or was going to be up, uh, they, they need to beat the giants for the season finale. I don't know if you guys remember the game, uh, but, uh, he, uh, you know, he came out there and he looked like a deer in deer in headlights. I mean, he was, he was awful. Um, and, and the Redskins lost the game and, and, and didn't go to the playoffs and et cetera. And, and to me, he just – just, he chokes every time the game's on the line, the season's on the line, anything's on the line, his contract's on the line, anything's on the line, the guy, the guy is, is, is really – you know, doesn't perform. Um, and and it's, it's sad because I actually had really high hopes with him coming out. Um, you know, I thought he, he could read a defense far better than RG3 ever could, a pro defense, and, uh, but, um, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, yeah, he's going to put up points. He's going to throw a lot of yards. He's, you know, if, if the game's out of hand or, if, you know, if the game's lost or I mean, he'll, he'll look like a superstar. Uh, but, but if the game's on the line, I, I, there's probably the last person in the NFL I'd want to have under center.
0: I, I tell you what, I'm not trading for Kirk Cousins nugget. I'm just telling. You. <laughs> well, guess, well, guess what? It's
1: not Kirk Cousins. It's Matthew Stafford. So Daniel, tell me what you would think of this trade. Emmanuel Sanders and Duke Johnson for Matthew Stafford.
2: And who's getting Stafford?
1: Uh, I was trading away Stafford.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I'd rather have Stafford. I think. It, yeah, absolutely. I, I I wrote an article for Sports Illustrated about Stafford last Saturday. Um, I think he is at the ultimate peak of his career right now. mean, uh, had he not been injured last year, I, I watched him in seven games last year. And uh, to me, um, it, it, you know, it, it's a, it's a match made in heaven with Daryl Bevel. I mean, Bevel has a very aggressive uh, play calling scheme to him, an aggressive side to him. And it's matched up to me perfectly with, with Stafford, um, you know, because Stafford, you know, likes to throw the ball downfield, and, and I see that being a, a great match. Um, in fact, um, I wrote an article, like I said, for Sports Illustrated, you know, Could he possibly be the NFL MVP this year? Um, And it's very realistic because, I mean, if you look at his numbers last year before the injury, if you prorate his numbers out, I think there was an article in ESPN that talked about this. You know, he would almost, you know, almost had 5,000 yards last year. Um, and So so I think he's real close, and I think this is going to be his career year. So I would never, never look at trading him at this point.
0: Okay, I got two names for you. DeAndre Swift and uh, Quintez Cephas.
2: I have not had a chance to do Cephas or, or look at him. Uh, Swift, I, I looked at. a uh, matter of fact, I did an article for about Swift. Uh, to me, uh, Swift is everything you want in a running back. Uh, with, with, it's like, it's like a four engine, like, like, a like a four cylinder car. Uh, he does not have the breakaway speed and he does not have the, the speed to hit the edge. He does not have a second gear. So he's a, he's a one he's a one speed runner. And he's going to, in my mind, he's going to have a heck of a hard time hitting the edges, uh, in the NFL. He had some very, he had a lot of difficulty hitting the edges, even in college, The linebackers are going to meet him out there, um, you know, outside on the edge. um, And he does not. I mean, he's he's got elusive. He's elusive inside the box, uh, but he does not have the breakaway speed. So he looks very polished um, in terms of technique. He's been very well coached, uh, but he's a guy that uh, to me uh, is going to be three yards in a cloud of dust. I think it's it's another Leroy Horde. Yeah. Wow. That's fair. Yeah, he's gonna be a guy that that's that you know it's gonna be another running back in Detroit. That's gonna be a running back by by uh, by committee. Committee. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be another guy like that. Uh, so you know, and uh, he catches the ball well in the backfield. Uh, you got to get him separate. You got to get him in space. Uh, to do what he's going to do, uh, but um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I gave a, I mean, I gave a green grade, I gave him a good grade with Detroit, so it's not like I killed him like I did Dorian Booze with the Jets. But uh, to me, he's just not, uh, he's not that franchise back. And uh, you know, with the Jacksonville, you, you know, kid uh, Fournette, you know, with him getting cut, you know, I, as a matter of fact, I'm writing an article this Friday about about him. Uh, you know, the rumor is he's going to go to Tampa, but I mean, if, if the Lions could have could have you know signed him, he would have immediately been the starter day one.
0: Yeah, and Schefter reported that the, the deal was basically done. You if yeah. Schefter's willing to report it, it's it's typically a done deal.
2: And that's a weird situation. That that four <laughs> thing is a very weird situation. <laughs> that that's so Yeah.
0: I had heard that well, I guess everybody had heard that the players were even tired of them. And that supposedly that they had shopped them around to everyone. So but you know, I remember hearing the story about um, from Charlie Weiss about Corey Dillon, that, you know, supposedly Corey Dillon had this bad attitude, yet they never had a problem with him in New England. Mm-hmm. They that, yeah. Charlie Weiss would speak very highly of Corey Dillon. So, you know, I, I'm in sales. I was told long ago by a very smart sales manager, you know, someone says something about someone you kind of just put in the back of your mind. Don't forget it. But. Every day, everybody has a bad day, you know. Kind of keep that in mind. I don't know. Though, like you said, the whole situation's weird. I I don't think he got cut well, because he's you. not good. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, you.
2: no, yeah, no, no. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. That whole thing with Tom Coughlin that that got really weird really fast. Um and um, you know, so so I don't know what happened. I mean, because when I look at all, all the things that happened before, net nothing really warrants to me being uh, cut. You know, being cut. Yeah. It was nothing that, that, that terrible that happened during that whole time, you know, just, uh, you know, not showing up to a team picture, uh, you know, being late to a meeting, you know, there was nothing, you know, the driver suspended license. I mean, there, there was, there was little things, but uh, you know, every team's got little things, you know, it's, it's just, I don't understand that guy had 16 over 1600 yards combined last year. Um, you know, I understand coming off 18, people started to, you know, wonder if he still right. had it or not, if there was a problem, but he bounced right back. I mean, Tampa Bay has got a heck of a running back in him right. and ha- had Detroit had a chance. I mean, it's, it's a, he's a starting running back. I mean, you know, I, I talked to a guy, one of my friends is an NFL uh, a director right now tonight and uh, I said, what do you think? What's going on? Because I, I started to think maybe there's something behind the scenes going on. Right. The general public doesn't know about like, okay, in a couple of days, we're going to hear this big bombshell. He, he got <laughs> arrested
0: for a DUI or yeah, something, 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 something like that.
2: Right. Something. But, but but my friend who's a director in the NFL said, uh, no, he's a great guy. Just, you know, caught up in the situation from what he heard. So um, sometimes
0: the change of scenery is the best medicine for folks. I mean, absolutely. I, you know. Well, I tell you what. When you get to round to watching C-Fest, I'd like your t- your take because um, you know the uh, the defensive back for um, I can't remember who it was. He said the hardest the hardest receiver he had ever covered, and he had been in a couple of big bowl games with fest So hmm. I'm really curious to get you know your take on it, for example. So.
2: Absolutely, I'll let exactly. you know. Definitely, it's just just a matter of time. Just a matter of having enough time to watch everybody. That that's the biggest challenge in scouting. Is 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 just there's so many guys. There's so many guys. Somebody asked me last year. They said, "What do you think of Joe Burrow?" I'm like, "I never got to him." You know, it just it just you know I, I was sitting there for you know my advanced scouting reports I did for Bruce Allen last year it took me between seventy to ninety hours a week to do. There's just not enough time.
0: Yeah, it was um, it was the Ohio State cornerback that was talking about him. I can't think of his name. Jeff Okuda. Was that who it was?
3: Yeah, he was the uh, see, yeah. he was the uh, the first round pick for the Detroit Lions. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, Daniel, I did want to ask you uh, as far as um, on offense, maybe just in running backs, who, who was your highest graded rookie running back out of this class? Little well, good question.
2: Uh, yeah. I, again, I didn't. I, I, it is a great question. I did have a chance to do the college, uh, as far as this, this this last year was concerned, oh, okay. because, I, like I said, I, I was yeah, I was I was doing every week last year. I did the uh, the advanced scouting reports for who Washington was going to play. I got you. Sure. And, uh, yeah. And so so it ended up being a situation where I was I was spending seventy eighty ninety hours a week with uh, you know with everybody the, the Redskins had the last eight nine games of the season after I went out for my interview in October. There's just no time. It just I wanted to look at them, but it just it just it just gets to a point where, you know, if, if you're even going to sleep three, four hours a night, it just there's just no time for it. I hear you, which is what happens.
3: What are your what are your thoughts on on Washington this year? I mean, I know that they're they're kind of going through a transition and everything. But are you know, are they uh, with the addition of Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and, you know, Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin? What, what are your thoughts there?
2: Well, it's going to be an interesting season. I, I, I respect Rivera a lot. Um, you know, I think, I think he'll be a really good coach for me. I think he's going to instill them with discipline. Um, you know, I, I remember watching Ron Rivera as a linebacker with Mike Ditka back in the 80s uh, with Chicago. Uh, so he's always a guy that's going to bring discipline. He's going to bring that Mike Ditka discipline to the team. And, um, you know, I, am not a Haskins fan at all. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I was really low on him last year. Matter of fact, I, I, I did a advanced report on the Redskins. I handed the Bruce Allen during my interview. And, uh, to me, he was just, uh, to me, he's the most arrogant quarterback I've seen in 38 years. Mm. And, 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 uh, I don't mean confident. I mean, arrogant. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, so he's, he's, He's into dancing. He's into prancing. He's into selfies. He's into Twitter. I mean, even Urban Myers came out and told him to tone it down on Twitter. Uh, you know, he, he's a superstar in his mind. And he's won one game. Uh, so it, it's. And he it's, didn't you know, look
0: that good, to be honest. I mean, no. a good game for him was like 170 yards or something
2: yeah yeah absolutely now does he have the big arm absolutely he does he's got everything you want but like the old saying in scouting is the game is won or lost from the neck up and uh to me uh i mean i saw some some really questionable things last year that was like you know wow you know like you know just just like you know i saw him on on a special you know on a uh, on a clip from nfl films you know talking to his offensive line and they were just ignoring him you know he was trying to motivate him or something i don't know if you guys saw that and you know, they were just ignoring him. And, and, and then he, he got to an interview, a press conference one day. And, uh, you know, they, they were talking about, um, you know, uh, he had to go in for some x-rays or something like that. And, and they're like, well, which, you know, the reporter in the Washington Post or something said, you know, I, I forget which publication it was. He said, well, which, which uh, you know, which x-ray room did you go to? He goes, I, I don't know. You know, I, I just, I mean, yeah, he didn't even know his way around his own stadium. He, he couldn't even answer the question. And they said, well, whose decision was it to pull you from the game? He said, uh, hey, it was, it was Dan man. And the, and the reporter's like, excuse me? Like, like, you mean Mr. Snyder? Yeah, yeah, Dan. Dan made the decision. I was like, wow, you're, you're a rookie. I mean, I mean, have you ever seen anybody in Dallas and say, hey, that, that was Bear? No. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, it, just the lack of respect he had for ownership and just the attitude. It's just the arrogance. Just every time I heard it, every time I see Dwayne Haskins talk, it turns me off. And it's just the arrogance, just, the, just that, and, and you can't lead a team. A team is not going to respond to that in, in a huddle. You aren't going to go back there and lead uh, uh, 10 other men in the battle and to win anything with that. I mean, so does he have the physical attributes? Absolutely does. He's, he's got a big time arm. Uh, he's got all that going for him. And, uh, but uh, the, the, what's from the head up, I, I, you know, I think he'll be in the league for three years. And he'll be out of the league.
0: Wow. That's crazy. That's, that's interesting. very interesting. So, so what's your thoughts on scary Terry?
2: Love him, yeah, love scary awesome, Terry. Right? Love scary Terry. Yeah, scary Terry looked like a veteran as a rookie. Right, and that's not yeah, yeah, and that's not easy. The the way he was moving and, and his fluidity and his route right, his route running, he's got that down to an art form. Even as a rookie, I mean, he stepped in there, he runs those routes. He he knows how to sell DBs on a deeper route, come back, cut it off. Uh, you know, he's he's sweet. He's got he's got everything you possibly want in a young receiver. They they hit the jackpot with with, with, with scary Terry.
0: I tell you what, I'm not that. I, I know I get a big hag nugget, but I haven't been that far off on the guys. At least we, at least with Daniel here. So, although he has a much finer eye, I'm just more lucky
2: sometimes. <laughs> hey, Mike Dickinson, said, "I'll take the luck over the skill any day of the week." So don't, don't, don't downplay it. <laughs> a lot of the game comes down to luck, but you know, I mean, the Washington football team. You know, it's. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it's they got some pluses and some minuses. I I, I see that being a uh, a six and ten team this year.
0: That's fair, but I think you've got the right coach to kind of lead a transition there. Yeah.
2: I yeah. I
0: don't I don't know how you feel about Dan Snyder. I'm not a big fan. I'll be honest. Um, I don't really want to get into that. It's not anything new. I wasn't a big fan ten years ago. So, but um, I think Ron Rivera will at least. He's a good fit for right now. But I agree with you. You're not going to set the world on fire, I don't think. But
2: you got some right. fun pieces. Very much so. Very much so. The secondary is uh, – yeah, I love Lightning Collins. Uh, I love him. You know, I, I especially love it. I mean, that's the problem is they don't they don't use players, in, you know, to play to their strengths sometimes. At least they did in the last system. I mean, if I was a defensive coach of the Redskins last year, I would have had Landon Collins down the box. You know, right. I, I would have gone right. I would, have, I would have gone to a three-safety you know defense. I would have pulled a linebacker. The linebackers were nothing special to begin with. I would have pulled a linebacker of the game. I, put, and I told Bruce Allen this before they played the Vikings the next week because I went out there for the 49ers game is, for the interview, and I said, you know, the Vikings game was coming up the following Sunday night, I believe, or whatever it was, Thursday or Sunday night or whatever it was. And 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 um, you know, I said, you know, bring bring Landon, you know, so, you know, fan, fan the, uh, the you know the two you know linebackers, you know, Kerrigan and and Montez Sweat, fan them out to a nine position, and then uh, you know, bring bring Landon Collins because Landon, Landon Collins knifes in from the side. I mean, he he can he can stop a running back in the backfield, or he can sack a quarterback like nothing off the edge.
1: No, man. Oh, man. Well, we're getting close anyways. We got 14 minutes left.
0: Right. I was going to say we're just – I was going to let him kind of the... – And he's gone. Is he gone? He's gone. Damn. Man, you know that – So how about I shut it down. I shut it down. I send an invite. Yep, he's back. He back. I'm back. Hello.
2: I'm back. ha. <laughs> So yeah, I just had to take a break to go see Landon Collins play. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love I love Landon. Um, you know, so they, they do have some interesting pieces of the puzzle. They definitely do. You know, I like Jonathan Allen a lot. Um, you know, I, I you know, uh, you know, I, yeah. I think the chances to do evaluate him, so I don't want to speak uh, you know prematurely on him. Uh, Jeron Payne, I I, I would have cut him uh, yesterday. Um, you know, he, he's he's as lazy as they come on the defensive line, and uh, and Ryan Kerrigan is dead weight. Uh, that, that he was an embarrassment on the field. I wish I would have talked to you before my 32-team draft. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't get Kerrigan. I got Ionitis. I, uh, I, I love
2: him. Yeah, I, I, I like him a lot. He's he's my type of guy. Ionitis, I like him a lot. So, he... he but now they're going to move him to the inside, yeah. right? Because he was playing more D end before. Yeah, well, he was, he was, he was playing, yeah, yeah, with a thirty-four. They should never play a thirty-four to begin with. They didn't have the personnel for a thirty-four. So, but um, you know, John Payne, I mean, he was what three hundred pounds or whatever he was playing those. It was. Oh,
0: and they're going to a four-three yep, now.
2: They're going to a four-three. So, you know, I- is is a high, high motor, high energy, you know, high effort guy. He's kind of like in the mold of like, you know, Dave Butts, you know, back in the day, he, yeah. he's a, yeah, he's in the yeah. mold of Dave Butts, you know, somebody like that. Not, not as, not as nasty as Dave, uh, but um, you know, the used car helmet they used to call it, you know, it was all banged up and everything, but uh, he, he's a guy that I, uh, Ionitis is, is, is I, I like him a lot. He, he's, he's a He's a, okay, he's a football so,
0: player. So he, he'll probably be, I guess what happened is I got panicking. saw he was listed as a backup all of a sudden. And so I'm like, he's not going to see the field anymore. So that was Mike. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll, he'll beat out pain. He'll, like he'll beat play. out
2: pain. Pain is a guy that, that, you know, I, I heard, I heard people that knew Payne down and when he was with Saban and, and they had the light of fire underneath him every, every, every play every day, you know, he's just a guy that's not a natural starter. You know, he doesn't have that, that, that feel underneath him. So they, you know, unless Rivera can really get underneath him and Del Rio can really get underneath him and ignite that fire pain, pain is a guy that's, it's, it's, it's easy. Uh, you know, if you look up the word underachiever in the dictionary, you'll see a picture of Daron Payne.
0: All right. Well, that defense, uh, and I, I'm a fan of Del Rio and R- Rivera yeah. as far as their defensive schemes and, and getting the most out of their
2: players. Yeah.
0: Like they both do a pretty good job of that. Absolutely. So it, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch. Well,
2: Technically sound uh, group. You're talking about Del Rio and, and Rivera. They're, they definitely know the coach.
0: Well, Daniel, we really appreciate your time. Um, I hope you're willing to come back sometime because this was a lot of fun and very informative. Absolutely. And, uh, I love getting getting your takes on some of your players, or, or your takes on the players. So, uh, is there any other? You're, you're on SI, so sh- can we just find you a, if we uh, subscribe to Sports Illustrated like I do,
2: or on the website? Yeah. Tell us where we can. Yeah, find yeah, yeah. You. I write every Friday and Saturday. I write for SI uh, Detroit Lions. Uh, so you can just if you type in Daniel Kelly, you know, Google Sports Illustrated Detroit Lions, you'll see all my articles um, on there. Um, you know, as well as uh, I mean. You can find me all over the place. Uh, my, my book, whatever it takes, uh, whatever it takes. Book dot com is my book website. Uh, you can you'll find my book wherever books are sold online, uh, whether it be Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Uh, if you type in Daniel Kelly, New York Jets, Daniel Kelly, NFL, uh, Daniel Kelly, even Tim Tebow. I got some stories with Tim Tebow, too, that uh, you, you'll see pages of information. I've, I've been in almost every major publication in America at one point or another. And so I'm all over the place um, just depending what you're looking for. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome.
0: And again, we can find you on Twitter at Daniel Kelly book.
2: That's cr- true. That, that is correct. correct.
0: And it's K E L L Y. That's right.
2: You don't have to buy a vowel, not an extra one, at least. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. Well, gentlemen, do you have any other questions or thoughts for uh, Daniel Kelly here?
3: No, I just got to say, Daniel, thank you so much for, for reaching out and um, and talking with us and taking the time. I'm, I'm starstruck, man. Really your stories are, are inspirational. It's just, it's been a pleasure really.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That's, what I hope my story does is, is, is that's the main thing. it's the reason I wrote the book, everything else is it's not just, Hey, look at me, look what I've done, but you know, you, you hit on the word inspiration and, and that's what I pray that it is. It's an inspiration to you guys and to whoever listens, because, you know, my story is a story that, you know, if, if I can do it, you can do a type of thing because to go from being barely passing through high school to being on one of the best staffs in NFL history. And I mean, any, anything's possible. And I, and I think that's the biggest thing I'd like to stress to people. I mean, whatever your dream is, it's possible. I, I don't care what it is. You want to fly to the moon? It's possible. You know, a lot of times we, we think of the word "impossible" is just is just a mindset. It's just a way of hindering ourselves or you know, in, in, giving into our doubts. But but "impossible" is just a word in the dictionary. So whatever your dream is, as you're sitting there listening, believe me, it's possible. If you can see it, like Mark Tretzman taught me, you can achieve it.
0: Man, I've always had a, an affinity for Mark Tretzman. Me
2: too. <laughs> I yeah, he's, you, he's, he's a cool guy. He's a cool guy. He's got a great book out there, too, called Perseverance. If you want to read a great book about football, and that and just, you know, he, he's been uh, Mark Trestman is the most humble coach I've ever seen in almost 40 years of being around the game. He he's whether whether he's talking. I mean, I, I've, I've personally seen him in a room and in, in, in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine where a young, like, like, you know, aspiring intern, a scouting intern was talking to Mark. And, and if you're talking to Mark, you're the only person in the room. And, and I watched Mark personally. I was standing in the corner. I watched Mark talk to this young guy trying to get into scouting, and he uh, gave him his undivided attention, and Roger Goodell was directly behind him. And, and it's like Roger Goodell wasn't even in the room. He was just focused on that young man. And so he's the most humble human being. He, he's a great coach. He's a brilliant coach, but he's even a better man. If you get a chance to get his book, it will truly bless your life.
0: I will look for it.
2: Absolutely. Very cool.
0: Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, hopefully we'll have you back on. And thanks a lot for the time. We know, we know you're busy and uh, hope everything is uh, – heading up in the right direction for you, where you want to be, hey, Daniel. Really I really do.
2: appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come on the show and be on the show. And I know that, you know, whoever my path is intersected with in life uh, goes on the great things. So that, that same can be said for you guys. So I would love to be back on the show anytime. Thank you so much for the privilege of being on tonight. And, um, hey, it's never never inconvenience. I love, you could ask my wife if I get a chance to talk about football, I could do this all night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: excellent, Excellent. Thank you. Well, thanks for finding us on the ATB Fantasy Show. We hope you all have a good night. Peace out. We out.
1: Good night, y'all.